El Gary is heating up. The bullpen has been doing their job. Our oldest Chapman is getting out of jams and hitting is no longer a sticky situation. The Yankees won their series in Buffalo against the Blue Jays and are slowly trying to right the ship as they return home to face the A's this weekend with full capacity beginning at Yankee Stadium. We'll get into all that, the pitcher substances conversation and the Yankees trading Mike Ford to the Rays. Our special guest this week, tongue-in-cheek, is my co-host, four-time World Series champion Jeff Nelson. He's out in Wyoming. So join us on a Father's Day weekend edition of the Pinstripe Pod from the New York Post. All right, here's a Pinstripe Pod. Hello and welcome back to the Pinstripe Pod, our Yankees podcast with the New York Post. It's Chris Sheeran here with four-time World Series champion Yankees great Jeff Nelson. You'll hear our producer, Jake Brown, as well during the show. Follow the entire crew on Twitter. That would be at Chris Sheeran, yes, at NYNelly43, and at Jake Brown Radio. Our guest this week, later in the show, <laughs> will be in Wyoming, and it's uh, my co-host, Jeff Nelson, who, who is just jet-setting all over the country, playing in golf tournaments. What a life this guy leads. He's got four rings, and he basically plays golf for a living. <laughs> yeah, I have three weeks off until my next next job, so I, I had to go, and I'm going to tour the world. Yeah, that's exactly it. Next week, it's going to be in Seattle. So when we're doing the show, it's going to be like four in the morning my time while we're uh, we're doing the doing the podcast. So, next week. so we'll be sleepless in Seattle on our next exactly. podcast. Oh, we're gonna, we're gonna get Tom Hanks on the show and Meg Ryan in, yeah. in here. I actually met Tom Hanks. It was the filming of Sleepless in Seattle. I was uh, I think it might have been 92, 1992, my rookie year or 93. He came in the locker room while he was filming meg ryan did not but tom hanks did and we got to uh, talk a little bit we had cool in the gang talk about touring with van halen jeff nelson has a world tour going on right now he's just golfing where's waldo where's nelly all right now wait what did you talk to hanks about i I need to know this i don't remember i mean that's that's my I, i gotta tell you my first question or multiple questions would have been about one of my favorite movies of all time. It's a very like low key Tom Hanks movie. And not a lot of people know it, but bachelor party. Oh, and that was before that was before sleepless in Seattle. So, I mean, he did so many movies afterwards. That was 1987. It, it is a coming of age movie. It was for me, but uh, we won't get into that. But Nelly, uh, you're in Wyoming. Uh, tell us about it. What, I mean, what are you going to do later today uh, out in Wyoming? It's like Wayne's World when they were in Delaware. Hey, it, it is. You know, they have one town that has. Uh, they have one street that's where all the whole town is, <laughs> and it's probably a mile away from the hotel. Staying at the uh, Hampton Inn and Suites. It's, it's a suite, so it looks brand new out in the middle of nowhere. I have been to Wyoming before, but never Cody because I've been to Yellowstone. Yellowstone's only like forty-five minutes away. There's a rodeo. I'm out here doing a charity golf tournament and also a softball game on Saturday for St. Jude. Now I've been to St. Jude many a times. 
in Memphis, Tennessee, when I used to do youth baseball for MLB.com. But now I'm in Wyoming. And, you know, I, this is, I'm a cowboy guy. I grew up around horses. I love the mountains. You know, the only thing's missing is maybe the Harley. And you're going to do, uh, do the road tour and then head to Sturgis in September. You came out to Chattahoochee by Alan yes. Jackson. You're a big yes. fan of the country music as well. So you're right at home. Well, and when I enter these bars and these saloons, they're not going to stop the music when I come in. I guarantee you that. <laughs> Now, here's an interesting fact. Kanye West actually lives here year-round that I did not know. He has a huge wow, ranch just really? outside of town. So I do remember that because he performed recently, like a year or two ago, like a service there, or he did his album there yeah. in Wyoming. And I'm like, yeah. what is he doing in Wyoming? Do I don't they know. just name their towns after children? Like Cody, is there like a Roger well, this is, Wyoming? This is or? Buffalo Bill, where Buffalo Bill came through or grew up or whatever. So. <laughs> oh, my God, Jake. Yeah. <laughs> Cody, Wyoming. Yeehaw! <laughs> they name it after random. Children. I think this is maybe where Cody Bellinger was conceived in Cody. I don't know. Who knows? Perhaps, I have no idea. Perhaps. But uh, I tell you what, you brought up Yellowstone Park. Immediately, my brain goes to Jellystone Park, the fictitious park. <laughs> yeah. But I was thinking the other night when I was watching the Yankees in Buffalo, the two shots off the bats of Gary Sanchez and Chris Gittens, who got his first hit, was a home run. His landed right before the interstate out right. there. I think it's I-90. And Sanchez hit one that hasn't landed yet. And I thought of the line from Major League, Nelly. It was cut out of the movie, but it's in like the coming attractions, uh, the previews. I think he says that wouldn't have been out of most parks. And uh, and Charlie Sheen says, which one? Yellowstone. <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly. I mean, Grand those, Canyon, yeah. Yeah, those were two moonshots that uh, Sanchez and Gittens hit. Sanchez is actually red hot right now. I didn't really quite get, I know Garrett Cole wants his own personal catcher in Kyle Higashioka, but Brian Mungia and I were talking before you guys jumped on, and I, I said something too during the BP show on Yes on Wednesday night. You know, it's just like, I don't understand. I mean, I know you want to, you have to get Gary a day off here and there, but my late father, I know I keep bringing him up, but he used to yell and scream at me because he played ball his entire life. Wow. If he was hot, he did not want to come out of the lineup. And he said if if he was a Brett Gardner, like when they used to sit Brett down after he was hot for a week and they would sit him down maybe two or three years ago when my dad was still around, he would call me up and, and you guys think I get upset. You guys think I have like venom spitting out of my mouth. He would say, I would have kicked down the GD door of the manager's office. And I would have said, you're not taking me out of the GD lineup. I just, I don't understand it. I get Cole wants Higgy back there. But when Sanchez Nelly is hitting as well as he's hitting, and we, we talked about that too. I mean, I just, I don't understand it. You keep him in there until he cools off. He's a streaky hitter. We've seen this year after year after year. If it were me, he would have been behind the plate. Well, here's the thing. I, I, I go back to Pettit, Leyritz days. You know, Jorge Posada was there and Girardi. Probably a little bit more consistent of a hitter than than Leyritz. But still, you know, Joe Torre says, no, this this is what Pettit wants. This is important. I got to win the game. I got to go deep into the game. It's more important to catch your pitcher relationship than all of a sudden have a hot hitter. Uh, also, David Cohn. David Cohn threw to Joe Girardi quite a bit. Didn't throw to Jorge Posada a whole lot. Uh, you know, I, I have to, you know, 
the pinch hit absolutely worked. Little pitch inside, he dropped head on it, and then the next couple innings, you got to hang with him, and you're going to throw to uh, Sanchez. This is where I, I got to have the guy that my starting pitcher and my ace is comfortable back and behind the plate, and that's Agashioka. Regardless of Sanchez is hitting well, why don't we go and say this is why Stanton DHing is hurting everything because he cannot play the field? Because if you want a hot hitter, if you want Sanchez in there all the time, then he could have easily DH'd. Okay, if something happened to Gashioka, you would have lost your DH. But you know what? Who cares? At that point, if you're going to ride a hot hitter and a hot hand of Sanchez, then Stanton has to get out in the outfield. And all of a sudden you read that, oh, I'm getting my body ready to go out and play so I don't miss any more games during interleague play. Well, I don't understand that comment. I mean, really, isn't that what spring training's for? You go get your body ready. I mean, maybe take some, you know, outfield practice or take some balls off the bat during batting practice. I, I don't get that comment, whatever it is. But I got to have the starting pitcher be as comfortable as possible. But at the same time, Sanchez could DH. So that means Stanton has to go in the outfield. If you hear snoring or snorting, I, I promise you it's not me. It's my chief. I thought you were farting. No. I'm like, did you just get out of no. Chipotle? What's going <laughs> on? What, what is, is that a guinea pig you got going on there? That, that would be, all right, Louis is going to enter the chat. Hold on. It is my chihuahua, and he is laying next to me, and, and he's snoring his rear end off. This dog cannot go anywhere without being attached to my rectum. That is the God's honest truth. So he is with his dad. He is in the bedroom as we tape this podcast. But I want to go back to what you said about Stanton. That is Louis' thoughts on Stanton not playing the outfield. Clearly, he's yeah, grumbling exactly about it. Pretty much. But snooze fest. I was, I was at my orthopedic doctor yesterday getting my shoulder looked at. And I was talking, he was talking to me about Stanton and he said, don't, this is my orthopedic doctor talking. He said, don't you think it's counterintuitive to DH him? And don't you think that's why he's having all these leg issues? This is an orthopedic surgeon saying this. That he's so, not doing much, right? He's not, he's not using his muscles constantly and keeping them in shape. Right. So the Yankees protecting him, I think coming doing from- him Coming from my doctor's perspective, who happens to know a thing or two about the human body, you know, putting him on the bench and only letting him DH and run, he's not getting himself into the game. And Nelly, you know this as well as anybody. When you heat up in the bullpen and then you come into the game, you're you're ready. You're you're going. When you're DHing, you get one at bat and then you're sitting on the bench. You know, right. And that's why a lot of guys have a hard time getting used to DHing because they're not they feel like they're not in the game. Right. Exactly. And you know, I go a lot of guys like Edgar Martinez. Edgar Martinez, if he had ever, ever had injuries, it was probably his hamstrings. It was probably his legs because that that exact reason what you said. Yeah, and and that's something that the Yankees have to look into. They they have to start getting this guy in the game. We talked about this on Monday in our, in our last podcast when, when we had David Wells on and if you haven't listened to that one yet, please do yourselves a favor. You're... It made its rounds. It got a couple of headlines in the yeah. New York Post for as, Wells. That's a must listen. As Jake said, you're doing yourself a disservice on Twitter. He said that, and he was absolutely a thousand percent correct. So go back and listen to that one with Wells. But we were just talking about this with Stanton. He needs your best outfield is now look, I, I know Gardner is Gardner, but right now with Hicks on the shelf and out for the season, I know you, you want to protect Aaron Judge, too, and not put him in center. But if the guy wants to play center, why not put Stanton in left, Judge in center, and Frazier in right? You know, Frazier, I guess you're going to get what you're going to get out of Frazier, Nelly. I know you had your issues with him later. Then he started hitting the ball. But now, you know, he had that big double. The RBI double gave the Yankees the lead the other night against Toronto and Buffalo. But he just hasn't been consistent this year at the plate. He's made Superman-esque catches. I mean... 
you can't take anything away from the guy's work ethic. You can't. Oh, no. You know, you absolutely love him. He you just wish he played better. You wish right. he was more consistent. Right. He absolutely stunk in the outfield when he first got the call up. He worked his rear end off down in Scranton. He got better, obviously, in the outfield. Didn't he win a gold glove last year, too, if I'm not mistaken? Or he was in the running for a gold glove? I don't know. Yeah, but, I think uh, he was in the running. I don't yeah, know if he but, won. Yeah, yeah but I, I just his work ethic is is off the charts, but he needs to be a more consistent hitter. We're going to start talking about him like we talk about Tyler Wade, like he's he's a four, he's a quadruple-A guy. You know what I mean? His defense has improved, but his offense has to be consistent. I don't know if you saw the news because you've been on a plane too, but earlier today on this Thursday that we're taping, Jeff, uh, Mike Ford was traded to the Tampa Bay Rays for 100000 and a player to be named later. What are your thoughts on that? Going to a, an in-division uh, rival who's in first place right now. Yeah, G-Man Choi has been banged up, and, you know, he's been often on the roster. You know, he's going to get a chance to play. You know, I don't like the idea of trading within your own division because it always can come back and bite you, and now he has a chance to come back and bite the Yankees. And I'm sure anybody – and once you get traded from a team and you're always facing that posing team, you always – it's not like you have a chip on your shoulder. You're like, oh, you know what, I'm going to take stick it up yeah, to you. Yeah, yeah. It's a business. It's like, you know what, I'm going to show you what you missed. So he's going to get an opportunity down in Tampa. And, and, you know, good for him because it's tough having to ride the elevator. I don't know how these players do it, especially pitchers and relievers. You throw two innings especially if you're a young guy and you're not established next thing you know you're on the elevator down to the trip down to triple a and then it's not like there's back a up. proper it's not like there's no. a proper that takes you back to scranton you get you get no. in a suv and you drive two and a half hours back to scranton pennsylvania <laughs> right and it, it's tough it is it's really tough but you know there's this is something you know you read Brian, I read Brian Cashman's comments as well when he came out. And he said, you know, talk is cheap and, you know, all we can say what we want, but we have to go out on the field and do it. You know, he's happy with his coaches, gave, you know, I don't know if that's a death sentence or, or what it is when he gives, you know, when you have the GM giving his coaches and the manager, Aaron Boone, the vote of confidence, because usually you see the other way around, but I'm, I'm sure that they're not going anywhere. And he also is going to present some trade, you know, possibilities to the ownership and, and maybe going over that 210 million threshold, you know, to try to improve the team with Severino being out and outfield, you're going to have to go out and improve your pitching and have to improve your outfield. I will say this, and you're going to agree with me because you were in the Yankee dynasty and there were no holds barred. There were no limits to what Mr. Steinbrenner did with this team because he wanted to win. And I know Hal comes out and he says he wants to win, but it's time for this version of Yankees ownership to put their money where their mouth is. Because if, if you're saying you want a championship, if you're saying you want your first one since 2009, then you have to take that luxury tax threshold and flush it down the toilet. You need to do whatever's necessary to get this team to where it needs to be. And towards the end of the season, the way, and especially the way the starters are going right now, I think I saw when I was doing the BP show yesterday, their last 15 starts, they have an ERA over five and a half. That's not going to cut it. And I know there's ebbs and flows and peaks and valleys, but is Corey Kluber coming back? If he does come back, can you trust him? What else is going to happen to Luis Severino? At this point, we cannot trust this guy. And I know it's been, it's not his fault. Injuries happen, but golly, it's just one thing after another. He's like today's Carl Pavano for the Yankees. It's amazing. Right. I mean, you only have, you only have one guy and we need to touch this issue about this sticky stuff again, you know, after glass now, and also now, with Cole coming out and saying that he just couldn't feel the ball. 
Uh, you could see some frustration. I mean, when I watched him, especially when Sanchez, I don't know if it was Sanchez behind the plate that he kept having to shake off or or if it was the grip on the baseball, especially later in the innings. Now, he did throw, what, eight shutout. I mean, the guy was, uh, you know, or eight eight innings, uh, two two hits. I mean, two runs with the two homers. But other than that, he was, he was nails. Again, didn't walk a guy, so it was control, even though he said, oh, I couldn't grip the ball. But... You look at the ownership, and you just mentioned about them trying to win and only one championship in 20 years. When they didn't have the luxury tax back then when Mr. Steinbrenner was around, when we were there, I mean, Mr. Steinbrenner just did whatever he wanted. It almost like he groomed the minor the minor league system to be traded at some point. It's like, okay, you could be a superstar. Now, I mean, you had, you had Bernie and Posada and Jeter and Pettit. And Rivera, but I mean, very few guys actually came up and made it and, and stayed in the big leagues as a Yankee. They went somewhere else, and he didn't care about that. I mean, he's like, okay, good, but I'm going to groom you to trade for a superstar, and we're going to win another World Series. So, with that being said, with the threshold, a lot of teams don't want to do that. And you know, even in the winter time, when you start talking about free agents, there's a lot of people that don't want to come to New York, and I don't know why they don't want the Yankee money. I don't get it. Well, I do because some of them don't want to deal with you know not succeeding here. I, I think. And we've talked about this ad nauseum on this podcast. It's easy now, though. It's very easy to succeed. You don't have the media. You don't have the fans. All the all the fans that get all over you, you can't even hear them at Yankee Stadium. Well, not anymore. I mean, it's about to be full capacity here in New York. Mets right. are doing Monday 42,000. And now the media, Nelly, is back on the field. I mean, they're here. Right. I think they make them wear a mask, but the media is slowly creeping back. So that New York pressure is starting to come again. I hope so. You know, it's because that that gets the best out of the players. I know some guys hate, you know, I would have, I mean, when you had Roger Clemens, Cecil Fielder, uh, you had you know, Tim Raines, when they, they were Yankee, you know, when you're getting booed at your home park, you're, it, it's like, whoa, what did I do? I never got booed in Boston. I never got booed in Toronto or, or Detroit. Nobody booed me at my home park. I mean, they boo everybody there. So if you're not performing, they're going to let you know. So, you know, it brings out the best, I think, in but some of the guys. Is, but this is, let's be honest, and you guys can agree or disagree with me here, but I'll, I'll say it. I don't care. Today's athlete is not the same as the athlete when you were playing. No, Jeff. they're way too sensitive. They're yes. very, very sensitive yes. now. Look at And look at Kevin Durant. He is probably the best, arguably the best basketball player on the planet. And his skin is like, it's so thin, so thin. You can cut it with a fingernail. For yeah, it's like my that. skin now going into the cold weather after being <laughs> in Florida. I have thin skin now. Wait, how cold is it in Wyoming? Oh no, it's 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 about almost. Not, it was a hundred degrees last. Oh, uh, all right, last all right. Eighty to ninety degrees here. I, I, you brought up Tyler Glass now, and I, I took a little exception to, to his comments the other day. All all these members of the media were you know retweeting it with the fire emoji and you go Tyler and all this other stuff. And I just sat back and I was like, hold on now. How about flipping the script for a second? How about like you trying to get more RPMs on your spin rate. How about you looking at the radar gun and don't tell me you don't do it. And we heard what Mike Stanton said, worst invention in of all time in baseball. I think it's a lot of factors. Now look, the sticky stuff, whatever they use, if it's not spider tack, fine. If it was just the, he admitted to using the sunscreen and the rosin. Okay, fine. He had to put the ball deeper into his hand. He said, I have big fingers. I'm not, it's not a big deal. Well, if it's not a big deal, shut up and pitch. You know what I mean? And maybe just maybe you got hurt. Maybe because it's all of this crap that they're throwing at you and all these high speed cameras and all these nerds with all this 
equipment that's making you come in the dugout, read it, look at it, and say, oh, I have to I have to fire it up even more. I have to put more sunscreen on my hands. I have to get my RPMs up. I have to increase my spin rate, or maybe they're going to get rid of me. I think it's a combination of everything. It's not just because he doesn't have sticky stuff on his hands. It's all this stuff that's inputted into Major League Pitching right now. Agree and disagree a little bit. I don't know if the reason he got hurt is because he couldn't grip the baseball. And I don't see what is wrong with having sunscreen and and rosin because it actually doesn't last that long. It just gives your fingers it, – it, I mean, if you're feeling your fingers right now, they're nice and smooth. Well, that's how a baseball is, and, and especially now. You know, when they came out – the way you describe it as soapy. It's soapy. Yeah, and it's you can't you you try to find the best thing to do to try to whether it's rock rosin, where it's saliva. You know, some guys will pour alcohol in their uniform and they're going down. It just gives you that, and it's not sticky, not like that spider tack or or whatever pelican grip and all this other stuff. That I mean, you're basically holding the ball over on your two fingers. I don't know how guys threw with that because I I would never be able. I'm throwing lawn darts about fifty feet. <laughs> you know, I don't know how they're doing that. But with the sunscreen and all the other stuff, I really didn't see where it was a big deal. I don't know how much it really improves your your spin rate. I know it gives you a better grip on the ball as far as that way you you have you have confidence in it, being able to control it and saying, okay, I can hit my spot here or I can throw my slider and I can make sure it's there. Were you surprised think, that pine tar is out of the equation too? Well, pine tar is, I think, right up there with the spider tack and and this pelican grip and stuff. I just don't like how Major League Baseball jumped in and they're trying to they're trying they're worried about and it's hitters. I mean, you're, you're worried about what kind of grip these guys and what kind of spin rate they're getting on the ball. You know, I take exception to that because now you have you know Cole coming out says these baseballs were so slick and it's going to be league wide and you're going to have a huge issue. They just open up a can of worms and then all of a sudden they're going to say, well. Well, if we can't use something to try to get a better grip on the ball, then why why are the hitters getting and getting to use whatever they want to get a grip, better grip on the bat? Okay, take everything away. Take the uh, stick, the sticky stick, or whatever you call it, and the pine tar. Throw it all out. Let them go up with a bare bat and with nothing on it, and see how they like it. I mean, <laughs> the ball, the bat's going to be flying all over the infield, and you know, it's just it's a joke. I mean, this they're worrying about tacky, no pun intended, stuff. It's stupid. Uh, you, maybe they they have to. I mean, I thought Major League Baseball was supposed to come out and say, okay, there's one substance that everybody can use because obviously, whatever kind of mud they're using, and I know we went over this before, maybe not different. But Don't whatever, they rub up the balls before they the do, game and, and it's a lot of times as a clubhouse kid, the one that takes care of the umpires, he's one, he winds up doing it. Um, nowadays, you know, when you used to have two different baseballs, no matter what you did, whether you used saliva or whatever, it was still the baseball was still dark, and you still were able to get the grip on the ball. And now there, it doesn't seem like it's rubbed up as as well, and it's it's very soapy, it's very slick, and and you're you're holding it. It's almost like when you're throwing a brand new baseball, a pearl. You you know you can't you can't control that thing because it's going to go everywhere. It's it's just you got to find something. I mean, the league has to say, okay, this is what we can use. I mean, sunscreen. I mean, the, the rule that they had. Oh, well, you know, when it gets when the sun goes down, you can't use sunscreen anymore. Or if you're playing in a roof stadium, there's no sunscreen. I mean, what what are you are you kidding me? It's laughable. One more before we move to our special guest, who is also you. But I, I've used <laughs> I've used rosin too at times, and sometimes Jeff. If you don't have a little sweat in your hand and you use the rosin, it makes the ball even more soapier, does it not? Well, it depends because if like you know, 
there's two Unless different it's rock rosin. The rock rosin is yeah. like a crystal. It's a rock. And when it comes through the sanitary sock, you can actually feel the uh, like the little pebbles or a little rock rock stuff. And that's really, I mean, if you have, it's really sticky or stickier. And the powder stuff, I hated the powder stuff. I mean, whenever we went into a city, I wanted, I made sure whether it was, and we always, I mean, it was always one good rosin bag that we always threw in our bullpen bag or, or where the baseballs were. And everybody liked it. You always had to have that kind of rosin. And even the one outside, you always had to have that, have that kind of rosin to make sure that, that your hands were sticky. The amount of soap and balls talk, I need to take a shower. I mean, this, <laughs> this is just getting out of hand. Sticky Well, the way you balls. sweat at Met games. Yeah, there's the sticky and then soap and balls. Uh, put me in the shower right now. This is ridiculous. So do you realize, Jake, it was B-Y-O-R-B? Bring your own rosin bag with you? Yeah, yes. exactly. Yes. Red Bull, too. You could call this B-Y-O-R-B and uh, <laughs> Red go. Bulls. All right. Coming up next, as Jake mentioned, we are joined by a special guest. It's a four-time World Series champion and co-host of this podcast, Jeff Nelson. And we're back with our special guest, Jeff Nelson. Jeff, welcome to the show. We hey. Oh, wow. It's almost like I was just on. Long time no see. Since we have Jake in the throes of this segment, and we're having some fun here, I want to start with this stupidity that the Mets have in this mascot, Donnie Stevenson, that they've made up. He, he just made an appearance on Twitter, and we were talking about this before you joined us in Wyoming, Jeff. But, you know, the Mets are winning. They still have the largest lead in the major leagues, do they not, in a division? So why do you need a freaking made up mascot to, 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 this is, this is, I was yelling at Jake, like, this is why you're made fun of constantly. Just be, be grownups. You're winning. You're doing great. And, and for a while there, Nelly, this team was, you know, how many people were on the IL? Luckily I don't pay attention to the Mets. So I don't know who this Stevenson guy is. They, they you didn't need... even sign with them when they wanted you. No, exactly. I wasn't going to be a Met. I mean, I'm glad they're I'm glad they're winning because it, it makes the city that that much better and more exciting. Because then, if you get the Yankees ever climb up and and get into first place or get to the playoffs, you might see a Subway Series again in the World Series. But I don't pay attention to what they do on the other side in Queens. I, I really don't. I mean, they need everything. I remember they that their theme song was "Who Let the Dogs Out" by the Baja Men. I mean, my goodness, when you need that song to try to pump you up. <laughs> Well, the remix was Who Let the Mets Out was the uh, it was in 2000 for the Subway Series. It was a song. Uh, And we all know how that played out. Yeah. Remind me. It's a fun shtick. You know, I think Pete Alonzo will act immature sometimes. He's a young guy, younger than me, makes me feel old. But it's a little shtick. I mean, listen, if they're winning, if they were losing, then he'd be getting ripped a new one for this. You know what I do like? You know, you see the Padres that have the. uh, who is the flavor flave thing that they spin if somebody hits a home run? And I, what did I think Alonzo, what did he hold up the wrestling belt the other day? I saw a picture. Yeah. The Mets like have the wrestling stuff. belt I mean, and the Padres good. have the Padres have that big chain, the clock, the yeah. flavor flave. That's thing. fine. That's fine. I don't mind that. Do you need a made up mascot though? Especially when you're doing well, it, it just seems like that's something like straight out of the movie major league when, you know, they needed as many rips off of the owner's, uh, you know, body. Is it uh, a shock though? That's coming from the Mets. Is it no, a shock? No, it's not a shock. No, it's not very nice. Well, I, I'm curious, you Nelly. I have a question for you about. Can you dive into after your career the whole thing where you had bone chips that went on eBay that you had? Can you tell this story and and explain it? Yeah, you know when I uh, it was 2002 and I had bone chips removed and I did radio. I did sports radio out in Seattle. I had my own show every Tuesday, even when I played. 
And it was Tuesdays with Nelly. So the radio station, I went and I had the bone chips. One of them was the size of my pinky nail. It was pretty good size. And there was a football player that went to University of Washington named Curtis Williams. And he got injured in a game and paralyzed. Uh, and I went to, I show, I had a little vial and I went to the radio station because I had to, had a couple of weeks off. This is, this is, you know, bone chips. Nowadays, these guys are taking months off. I think I took, I had three weeks off and I was back pitching again. And so, I mean, these guys are all like bone chips. I'm going to take two months, three months off. I, I had three weeks off and I'm back pitching. But I showed it to the radio station and they go, hey, what are you going to do with that? I'm like, I don't know. I'm not, what am I? I'm not going to keep it. I'm not, what, I'm going to make a necklace out of it. I said, no, I'm not going to keep it. So do whatever you want with it. He goes, well, so they on eBay, I think you remember, I, I maybe it was was a Verlander or Scherzer. They sold like they their gum on eBay and they got a bunch of money. So people were selling hair and stuff like that, trying to get people to bid. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, they did. I don't And so they said, well, how about if we put it on eBay and we'll raise the money and whatever we get, we'll raise the money for Curtis Williams Foundation. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Do whatever you want with it. If it goes to a good cause. Next thing you know, I'm getting these calls. It was really embarrassing because it got up to like 20 some thousand dollars. Wow. It did. It was huge. And all of a sudden I'm getting called and said, your bone chips are going for 22 or $23,000. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? I'm like, this isn't, I'm getting called by radio stations all around the country. And I have to explain this. I said, it was for charity. It's not for me. It was for charity. It was for, for something that was a good cause. And I guess eBay wound up taking it down and say, you couldn't sell body parts on, on, uh, <laughs> on ebay and i was like ah that stinks just to see if it was actually a real these real bids so i think they put it up on their web the kgr website and it went for like 2200 bucks or whatever so you know it was a little embarrassing but at least i knew it was going to a good cause and it wasn't going to me a couple things did they say in the listing they didn't say it was going to charity on ebay ebay it was just saying no i think they i think they said it was going to charity you know he also had to sign a disclaimer they said you could not clone and any of this other stuff we didn't want any other Nellies running around. So it went from twenty two thousand eBay to going to twenty two hundred, twenty two hundred, twenty five hundred, whatever it was. Wow. The, the bone chip Shearney that could have been. First of all, I yearn, I, I strive for the day, and God bless you, Nelly, for for doing it for for that cause. But I, I yearn and strive for the day where I have twenty two G's burning a hole in my pocket to buy Jeff Nelson's freaking oh, yeah. bone chip. Was there any other body part that Jeff Nelson thought about selling at any point in his life or no? No, thank God. No. All right. No, I need it. I need them all. All right. So you're in Wyoming. What are you, besides the rodeo tonight and the golf tournament, are you looking forward to any, I mean, what's the big food out there in Wyoming that Jeff Nelson is looking to consume or adult beverage that Jeff Nelson is looking to consume? Oh, I'm, always, I'm I can't wait to go to the saloons. Uh, there's the funny, the thing of it is, is, uh, the guy that was taking me to the hotel said everything closes down like at nine or 10 o'clock. I'm like, what kind of town is this? And then they said, there is one place called the silver dollar saloon that stays open to two or three. He said, if you want authentic Cody, Wyoming, Wyoming, go in there. I'm like, all right. I mean, they're not going to stop the music. Like, oh, can I dance with your dates kind of thing? I'm like, no, just go go right on in. But they do have a big, what's that? They do have a big museum that I'd like to hit. It's a Buffalo Bill Museum. I guess it's one of the one of the largest ones or, or as far as Indians and cowboys and, and the history of, of all that out here in the West. And that I guess it's one of the largest ones in the United States. So they said you have to hit that. So I'm looking forward to hitting that. Maybe some robe pops while I... Uh, there you go. Go around the uh, go around the museum. They only accept silver dollars at the saloon. No cash will be accepted. Maybe. And, and, and chaps are the preferred. 
I'm not going to say what the other one. No. <laughs> did you pack your chaps and your spurs, Nelly? Uh, no, I did not. No, I'm going to I'm going to wear shorts and uh, wear it gets a little chilly. So I'm I I love rodeos. I don't know. Have you guys ever been to a rodeo? No. Are you a cowboy hat guy or no? Seriously. Um, I do. I did have them. I wasn't really a cowboy. I do have quite. I had quite a few cowboy boots. Because you could definitely rock a cowboy hat. That's yeah. Sure. But rodeos, rodeos. I've been to so many rodeos. They are the best. And I hope they have the one that they have. It's called cowboy poker. And I'm sure they have them in these small towns that they get these plastic tables and plastic seats. And it's a it's a bunch of money that the crowd puts up. And it, they release a bull. And these cowboys. There's usually four of them. They're playing poker. And the one that's stays in their chair the longest or doesn't get thrown wow. wins the money it's ex- it's real it's really something That's to awesome. see oh yeah the one who doesn't I mean, die from, uh, from yeah. i mean living out in washington state you know they had rodeos all the time i went to montana's rodeo they have actually have one and I, maybe they'll start it again i don't maybe where they've had it one of the largest ones in las vegas is a huge rodeo in the san francisco a lot of the when i was in seattle our trainers were would go to montana and different parts and train for the rodeo and during the off season so they knew a lot of the cowboys and they would come in to our our, our locker room and and we would go and be able, be able to sit in the shoots especially the pbr the pro uh the pro bull uh riders you know that's exciting that's fun i mean they're they're crazy and they're nuts and there's something Jake, that i wouldn't do it I don't know about you, but I saw enough Bugs Bunny to stay away from bulls. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm going to pass. I mean, when you said in Las Vegas, I'm like, that's the last thing I'm thinking of when I go to Las Vegas. I'm thinking of uh, gambling and, like, strippers. Not a PBR, but uh, Oh, yeah, a little PBR at a PBR, yes. Interesting. Well, you, you salt bay a little bit of the PBR in there, Jake. Yeah. <laughs> did, did you like yeah, living in Se- Seattle more than you did New York? Did I like well, when I played in New York, I still lived in Seattle. Seattle's one of those places that probably uh, the heroin capital of the world for a reason Jesus. because you don't see the sun there in the wintertime. I mean, it does it does mist a little bit more. So as far as rain percentage and rain, they get more rain in other places than Seattle. It just rains more consistently. I like both. I mean, I love the city. I love New York City. I mean, I'm not a city guy, but I absolutely love New York City. And for some reason, when I get into that city, I feel at peace. You know, it's kind of, I just like the craziness. Does it frustrate you at all that you only made one all-star team? Do you think you you deserve to make a few more? The only other one was in 2000. I think I didn't care once I made one because 2000 being a middle reliever, I think myself, Stanton and Quantrell, Paul Quantrell, when he was with the Blue Jays, we might have been the first middle relievers ever to make it back then because it was only starters and closers. And it was an exhibition. No, I mean, you didn't really have anything to play for, but pride, you wanted your league to win. 2000, I thought, was my only shot to make it. And I was leading and whatever. And back then, the managers, you know, sent in the selections and sent it into the manager of the team. And it happened to be, obviously, Joe Torre. He managed so many All-Star games because we won all the time. So I thought that was my only shot to make it. And I actually was a little bit disappointed that I didn't make it, but I did make it in 01. So, and, and I didn't care after that. Just one and I was good. Anything else that you, you've wanted to happen in your career besides winning the, I mean, four titles, that's nothing to shake a stick at, but is there anything that's missing or are you content with how your career went? I wish I, you know, the only thing, and we had Mike Stanton on and he pitched over a thousand games. If I had a couple injuries during during my time, during the year, that's the only thing that I wish I would have got to. 
you know, that was maybe the biggest, uh, biggest goal. I know some of the guys got to that and I was right on pace because I was throwing the 60 to 70 games a year. And, you know, that that's probably one thing I wish I would have would have gotten to. What about you talked all the time about having to face the toughest righties, obviously, in every lineup. And you brought up the big hurt repeatedly. That bullpen that you were in, especially you, there wasn't a bigger competitor. When you got on the mound, you were all business. Was there someone that I don't want to use the word enjoy, but you were just hyped up for the competition when you went out there more than anybody else? No, it was always everyone. But, you know, because you never took them for granted. You never sat there, oh, I own this guy. I never thought I owned Frank Thomas until, you know, at the end. I mean, you know, you looked at the numbers and obviously I did really well. I mean, there's a bunch of people that I did really well against, you know, Troy Glaus. And, you know, you look at those. He's going for 10 against you. Yeah, I, I think I struck him out. I think it was like 0 for 16 and I struck him out 14 times out of the 16 times. And it's like almost no matter what he did. But I always took them out thinking that, you know what, if I make a mistake, these guys are going to hurt me. Like Albert Bell. Albert Bell probably, I think he has three homers off of me, three or four home runs. And he was the only guy, I think that's his only hits maybe, but they were homers. Two of them were meaningful. I, it was my rookie year. We were in old Cleveland Stadium. I pitched one game. I think he hit a home run to tie the game. And then I came in the next night to pitch a game against him again. And he wound up hitting a home run to win the game. So he was always a challenge for me. I always, I didn't take anybody for granted. I didn't think I owned anyone. I just went out and said, okay, you know, at any time, this guy could get lucky. But I knew, like, when we faced the White Sox, I mean, we had four-game series. I was facing Frank Thomas all four days if it was close. Troy Gloss, let's see. 0 for 14 with 11. No. Uh, yeah, 0 for 14 with 11 strikeouts. Yeah, there you go. Something like there that. There you go. Batting average, triple zero. <laughs> it's, no matter what I threw, it seemed like I got him out. Yeah. He had an on-base of 263. You walked him five Even times. Pudge. Pudge wound up hitting a home run against me in Texas, and I owned him as well, but I hung a slider or something. He hit Here, let me, just, let me just go down the line really quick. Manny was two for 19. That's pretty damn impressive. Knobloch was 0 for 13. Or no, I'm sorry, two for 13. You went from Manny Ramirez to Chuck Knobloch? Well, that's the way it is. That's the way it is here. I'm sorry, Manny. was tough because he's a little tiny guy, man. He he strikes almost small. I apologize. Manny was four for 19. Nobby was two for 13. Alex Gonzalez was one for 21. Molitor was three for 16. He's a freaking Hall of Famer for crying out loud. Miguel Tejada, five for 18. Uh, Omar I think Manny had a grand slam against me, though, did he? Did he have a home run? Uh, He does, yeah. Yeah, that was a grand slam. I want to hear the ones that went 10 for 10 against Jeff Nelson or someone that did good. Uh, uh, Tim Salmon was six for 19. Was he really? Wow. Yeah. 316 average. Uh, Scotty Brocious, before they were teammates, could not hit the broadside of a barn against Jeff Nelson. Two for 15. Maglio Ordonez, of course, three for 13. Randy Velarde, two for 15. You were a straight killer, Nelly. be someone that hit him good. Jesus Christ. Come on. Let's uh, bring his ego right, down a little right, bit. Small on. numbers. I mean, you get small numbers. Great in my Anderson, two for nine. Uh, Damian Easley, three for 13. There, there aren't any too many people with more than five hits against Nelly in his career. Well, for next show, we're going to see if we could get our crack research staff to find someone that, <laughs> that had an average of like 400 or better against Nelly at some point. Seriously, Nelly, you, you were a straight assassin. Amazing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs>
That says goodnight to episode 62, the Marcus Timms or Jabba Chamberlain edition of the Pinstripe Pod, our Yankees podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Brian Munguia for three for producing the show. Please dive into Apple Podcasts right now. Give us a five-star rating, write in a positive review. We do appreciate it. For Jeff Nelson, I'm Chris Sheeran. We are back on Monday after the Yankees three-game series in the Bronx against the A's. Thanks for listening, folks.